Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Respectfully Disagree. So, today we're going to discuss something which is an age-old favorite for us to discuss, but not in the way that Seema Aunty wants us to. We're talking about marriage and whether it can ever be feminist, right? So from Sheikh Mangal Sutras to Bindas Brides, a lot of people have begun trying to divorce, sorry, the institution of marriage from its unfeminist roots. But is that really possible? That's what we're going to talk about this week. Can marriage ever be feminist? So to start off with, um, let's ask everybody where do you stand on whether marriage can ever be feminist? And if you say that it can't, what is it about marriage that personally turns you off a lot? Hi, this is Vatsala. Um, I, I, w- I want to say that marriage can't be feminist and it isn't. Personally speaking, I haven't seen a, a feminist or a happy marriage in my life. Um, majority of the women in the family end up doing most of the work. Um, so yeah, I find there is a imbalance in the relationship. Yeah. Um, uh, the other thing about marriage is I, I, I do not like the fact that at least in our culture, women are raised with the expectation, like you're expected to get married someday. So that's the end game for you. That's That should be the uh, thing that you should prepare y- yourself for. So just these connotations towards marriage and like disregarding what a woman wants, what she's capable of. Hi, this is Rohita and I'm with Vatsila on this one. I don't think that marriage can ever be feminist. And it's similar reasons, right? Like I'm yet to see a single marriage in which the, like the woman, like a heterosexual, I mean, that's all the marriages I've seen, but uh, I've yet to see a single one where the woman has not had to compromise or give up on something or the other. Uh, now, it doesn't matter where, whether inevitably, like at, in the long term, people are happy or not, but at the end of the day, if there is a compromise or a sacrifice to be made, it's very often the woman regardless of how much of an equitable partnership they, the two individuals have. Hi, I'm Denise. Um, and I agree both with uh, Vatsala as well as Rohita here. Um, it's an institution that um, sometimes tricks you into believing that uh, there is some kind of superficial equality because when it comes down to actually making decisions that steer uh, the life and the life of the family it's really uh, this marriage is really a very unequal and unfair um, reflection of the relationship between this heterosexual uh, couple this man and woman here so yeah okay so it's going to be a bunch of us ran- ranting against marriage being unfeminist so I mean for the sake of playing the devil's advocate. Um, I think if we ask the question of can marriage ever be feminist, I feel like, of course, I agree with all of your points about all the critiques of marriage and the way in which we see it. But I do wonder if there is a way to reimagine the institution so that it can be a feminist institution. Um, And maybe I can argue more about this as we get into the pros and cons and all sides of the debate in the podcast. But to start off with, I think let's talk a little bit about the depictions of marriage that we see in popular culture, right? And um, what could possibly make a marriage feminist 
or not so vatsala you want to take us through some of the examples you put together and then maybe all of us can talk about it um so it was very hard to find a, a feminist marriage in pop culture um but uh, there were examples uh, definitely where i felt women had more agency one of the first films that came to my mind was english english and shri devi's character uh, she was in an unhappy phase of the marriage and there were issues with self respect and she felt she wasn't appreciated enough she was being taken for granted by her children and the husband i was actually very livid when i saw the movie and she decided to stay with her husband <laughs> like that was one of the scenes i was like oh my god why are you staying with him and i'm like why don't you just like go away and do your own thing but you know on a second viewing of the film that felt like what that character would do it was true to shashi's journey and like what she would choose um and i think that film does make a case for at least thinking about if we gave equal respect to the different roles could you know could essentially like a partnership like marriage be a space where a woman gets respect and be a space where you know she can be happy even shashi's choice to like stay in a marriage where she is not respected enough um you see that play out in a lot of at least i have seen that play out in a lot of uh women in my life as well that even though these things uh are not up to the mark there have been instances where everyone everybody has been like it's just the easier way right yeah i agree because i don't think like marriage is a an extremely old institution it predates every one of us it predates shashi and her husband and it as an institution itself was designed to kind of uh in institutionalize this division of labor where women are responsible for unpaid care work and undervalued care work and that extends to the person itself like the personhood of the wife like what we see happening in this in this movie is is a manifestation of that no matter what you do within the marriage itself how you kind of renegotiate your roles you, there's still no escaping the fact that this institution was designed for this very purpose um yeah i agree she should have <laughs> left the husband and gone with a french person but the second example is tam laga ke haisha where bhumi's character um i like that she's educated not insecure about her weight strong will the moment she sees that the husband's which is played by aishman um disrespects her so she's willing to walk out of the marriage and she's like i'm leaving you the lawyers or the judge tell them that they have to stay in the 6 month or period and decide whether after these 6 months they still want to go ahead with it it allows them a chance to uh, figure out what marriage is to both of them through that film we sort of see that marriage or this relationship is a lot of work it just it it doesn't end you know after the wedding it's a process that requires a lot of communication and setting ground rules etc Yeah, I mean unfortunately I have the same question of uh, why did she stay with <laughs> Because at the end of the uh, you know I found the dynamic they're very unequal also even though they tried to show a more equal dynamic and like both of them have insecurities but I was like this guy is just like I mean you don't have to put up with this this is an arranged marriage you all have been forced to stay together you took the right decision early on um I think it also speaks to one of the issues with marriages and institution like when people try to subvert it or make it their own is that they're very often against like all forces and so the man gets credit for being progressive and the woman almost has to be indebted to him that oh my god how were you 
you know that you're so progressive and you're so nice and you're so kind you know like that you're going against an unequal institution to form an equal partnership so i feel like nah i don't know like as much as i was trying to be the defendant of marriage you know it's it's really hard to me what um like strikes out over here is this idea of um like an arranged marriage is is not is inherently unequal but then it takes love to make a marriage more equal or this whole intertwining of love into marriage it feels like such a like i don't know where in some matrix where <laughs> where love is just like this uh ideological thing imposed like where it normalizes the idea of marriage for so many people it's like if you're in love then that's like the logical conclusion is marriage and even over here it's like if you get along and then you fall in love eventually then you can rework your marriage but it still feels like it's not disrupting anything about what marriage what made marriage unequal unequal in the first place it's just something that numbs the effect of inequality i guess okay so uh, the next example is of kenka where uh, karina kapoor's character is a working professional she has a career and she's um uh, the one who's outside making money and it's the husband played by arjun kapoor who stays at home mm-hmm. uh takes care of the household uh, chores and everything else is does the seem equal i mean i think that those kind of situations are interesting because they at least pose the question of like is it coming from traditional gender roles like the kind of inequality that we see um more often than not i haven't watched kian ka but i think real life examples of where that happens it feels like the woman unfortunately doesn't stop doing the unpaid care work at home she's regardless the one who's doing all the planning she's the one who has to come back so more often than not she has the double burden of work and there's a lot of anxiety around like the man's masculinity and like what is he doing with his life whatever so i feel like that example actually shows the way in which um gender expectations out of a marriage affect um i think men as well in a heterosexual marriage in a negative way there's only one kind of role you can occupy and society keeps reinforcing the message that you have to be the man who has it all together and provide for your family and like play this role of a, a breadwinner quote unquote and if you don't play that role you're somehow failing in life i just wonder what would happen if more men did this kind of work where it's not like an equal split per se which which we talk about as desirable within marriages but uh, it's still like one person does the care work at home and the other person does the paid work outside um i don't know what that would be like but it still doesn't disrupt the fact that some work is unvalued and not paid for because it's feminine work and then some work is paid for and highly valued because it's like in the public sphere it's outside the domain of like the family and domesticity and so on yeah it just it still does not disrupt any structures that make marriage any unequal so again i'm not convinced um i agree with that point and i feel like when you have a, a mother or, or a wife that is working and um in you have this kind of role rever- gender role reversal um along with that thing uh, of you are so lucky you are so uh, blessed to have this person in your life it's also that uh, 
are you incompetent as a wife that your husband is doing this uh, like these kinds of questions also come into play like everybody around is also is questioning your role uh, the woman's role as a wife uh, here because um, it's not seen this role reversal more often than not is not seen as a choice so it, it a lot of times it's viewed as something is terribly wrong that these roles have reversed i think here is like a like a good place to like bring in a quote by Simone de Beauvoir um to kind of unpack this idea of uh the like gender roles within a marriage and who it impacts so she said uh marriage has always been a very different thing for man and for woman and this kind of leads back to what you were saying shishti about how some maybe marriage can be oppressive or in some way bad for men also I feel like the system is such that we like women's entire identities get tied to marriage like I think in little women um you know Amy has that really interesting exchange with Laurie where she says that you know women have to give up their social identity and like who they are for a marriage so why shouldn't I want like wealth and status in return or whatever but I think that's the essence of like a woman literally has to change everything about herself and of course with marriage the expectation of motherhood is almost like synonymous with that and then it means that you work for the family you become a wife you become a mother your identity becomes that and for a man whether he's married or not doesn't really change much about how he lives his life yes while it does impact men also negatively like heterosexual marriage is designed to like oppress women and literally like the idea is that she's a man's property and till today with marital rape you don't recognize marital rape because she is your property and part of it is that you can have sex with her whenever you like yeah and even in the way that some of the norms still continue to persist legally like uh with respect to inheritance for example and uh it's like patrilineal and a lot of feminist scholars have pointed this out also like Navedita Menon uh speaks about how marriage continues caste class uh patrilineality so it's like essentially marriage is also a way to continue um oppressive social like social hierarchies as well like you marry within your class and you marry within your caste and it's a way to ensure that sort of that kind of homogeneity and purity and the way in which you do it is through women's bodies right because women uh reproduce and that's the way you ensure the purity of the bloodline or whatever so yeah in a way marriage is a is an instrument to to kind of it, it instrumentalizes women's bodies as just as just like reproductive like units that serve some kind of ideological purpose taking forward from what you just shared that to maintain caste and it allows people it allows men in the family to control a woman's movement so you're not allowed to go out you're not allowed to choose your partner you're not allowed to fall in love um the annihilation of caste depends on you know like it says like the moment a woman chooses out of her caste uh, is one way one could annihilate caste um so i just see how much like marriage and the pressure to marry and how limiting a woman's life becomes especially in our country I know in my in my own family and in the family of uh, uh, the towns that my relatives belong to um how girls and women are controlled and the fact that I am 30 and not married 
uh, like I'm used as an example, they shouldn't try and be like me, they shouldn't spend time with me because I am going to pollute their minds with my liberal feminist ideas. And the moment they allow this freedom, you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful to imagine like what kind of lives women will be able to build for themselves the moment this pressure is taken off of them. The second point uh, that I'd like to make here is it's the training, you know, emotional training and to be someone's wife. So how uh, proper you are. Oh, you are so rude. You can't be this rude, you know. Is this how you're going to talk to your in-laws? Oh, you don't know how to cook. How are you going to, you know, serve your family, etc. So it's just this training which is pervasive and always there. And that's how... And I feel like that's why women are like always second guessing, trying to be better, like trying to take care of everybody's emotional needs. Uh, while men, like Srishti said, they're allowed to do, be whoever they are. Just want to say, yet these men will complain about how they miss their quote-unquote bachelor lives. Yeah, and all the jokes, husband-wife jokes are all about how husbands are oppressed by wives. Yeah. Crazy. And women are nags because every time they ask for uh, when their emotional or sexual or any kind of financial requirements aren't being met and you tell them that this isn't a way to behave and if you're persistently telling them and they're not changing then you're the one who's a nag. Yeah, people who think that they are very liberal, um, adapting and like trying to justify a lot of arranged marriages, like for example, Indian matchmaking. You see, of course, everybody's laughed at it and we've all had fun watching it because of how ridiculous it is. But also you see a lot of people trying to justify this arranged marriage process. Mm -hmm. um, whereas inherently it was done in order to preserve this, uh, uh, preserve caste and preserve class, right? To keep the, uh, keep all this kind of social capital and cultural capital and your economic capital in one place. When people kind of justify arranged marriages, it really puts things into question that uh, why are we like, why are we justifying this? And to who are we justifying this? No, but that makes a lot of sense. You see all like a lot of celebrity examples also where, I don't know, it's this thing where People don't change their last name, so they get rid of certain rituals in the in the wedding itself, like Kanyadan and Mangal Sutra and all of that stuff. They get rid of it, and then it's like automatically supposed to be an equal feminist marriage where, um, you know, both partners are equal. Nobody has to compromise or something like that. But that that kind of rebrand is still very disingenuous because who gets to really say that and you're like who are they marrying also and for what purpose are they getting married like at the end of the day if it's really that equal and that amazing and life is amazing for everybody then why why seal it with a ring like literally why get married why why not just stay together um but the whole purpose of marriage is to legitimize whatever children that you may have, right? If we think about the alternative, I also think that it's not just about legitimizing your children, but the most important thing that people say is that it's like an assured support system, right? Like I think Akhil Karyal also has a poem on like how the one thing he can't fight back against is when his parents talk about like settling down and having children because who will take care of you in your old age? 
um and the entire idea that ultimately it's a retirement plan you know perhaps it's a secured retirement plan to have children and a family and you know that's the whole idea i think what makes the alternative really exciting for me is that it's the alternative which pushes people to think about making marriages more feminist i feel like the only thing which will make marriages more feminist is if more people choose the alternative right like when you see fertility rates rates declining or when you see um uh you know prop change changes in the workforce composition or when you see actual effects unfortunately that's the only time that the state jumps in and is like okay 6 months paternity leave for men as well they have to compulsorily take paternity leave or i think i find it even more disturbing when people like celebrate like oh look now women are having kids in their 30s and 40s and women are getting married and finding happiness you know and a lot of the posts here around katrina kaif's wedding for sure was stuff like oh you know you found your happy ending and like people are really really rejoicing that i miss it when we used to have like rekha and like madhubala yeah. and meena kumari and women who were just like you know like live alone be single the world might look at you as a tragedy but you're happy making the choices you are no i was just saying even amrita preetam i was reading up about her life and i was just thinking these women were so cool yeah and what are they now i don't know i like i feel there's the dearth of examples you know there's dearth of examples women to look up to who had those radical ideas you know yeah. when did it become about getting married and we see it everywhere yeah the, the, this whole like rebrand of marriages and like celebrities being touted as uh giving marriage a good name again and i don't know like radically different types of marriages it's all like well and good whatever but it's still it still uh doesn't disrupt the primacy of marriage in our society because it doesn't give you a model for what not being married looks like it still privileges marriage over everything else and i feel like heterosexual marriage is so pervasive that even in like even if you're queer the way to get acceptance and a lot of scholars have written about this including niharika banerji who we've interviewed for our in perspective podcast not a very subtle, subtle plug but uh, you know they've written about how to gain acceptance um a queer person has to a queer couple has to sort of um imitate or replicate the ideal you know heteronormative marriage right like you need to be able to show and i think there are like anxieties around what do people do or who do they become outside of the union of a marriage which is what we always try to allay right like what you feel scared about when you see a a woman in her 30s who isn't afraid of like having sex with like multiple people or like who might pose a threat to you or what you see when you see a queer person who might not be monogamous you know or like adhere to those norms i feel like even when you're not talking about heterosexual marriage and no matter who you are to get respect uh in society you have to somehow you know stick to that line of like essentially what is a lot about like purity quote unquote and respectability and like so that heterosexual marriage model people play it out in different ways you know even when you're a single woman you have to behave a certain way so that you're not a threat in any way to that institution um i don't know if that makes sense but like that pervasiveness of marriage i feel like we don't even talk about the ways in which it extends way beyond the institution which i feel makes it hard for it to be inherently feminist there are too many things always guarding it all the time yeah i mean there is a case to be made for how marriage 
can be feminist because one big piece of it that we haven't discussed at length is how we can't talk about marriage without talking about caste and religion um and ambedkar dr ambedkar had um, also said that like watsala was saying earlier on the podcast like the way to annihilate caste one way of that would be to was would be intercaste marriage um it would essentially um destroy the the functional aspect of marriage that is to perpetuate caste endogamy right um and this is something that a lot of activists have also spoken about this project anti caste love uh by josna sadat whom we have had on the pod recently um where you know there's a lot of examples of these really subversive anti caste marriages where everything about it is different it's not a marriage in the traditional sense that we might think about it it's the like people exchange vows in a satyashodak marriage for example about rationality and uh, upholding equality and things like that so it's more of a union um so there are examples like that where you can say that it is feminist because it doesn't go, it it disrupts the essential purpose of a marriage right it becomes a union it becomes a relationship like an egalitarian partnership rather than a uh, a union between families as a way to con- continue some kind of uh like pro progeny in that sense um and also like given the political context and climate we're living in where love jihad is such a such a dangerous and um just horrific fact of life that we're living in living with today um interreligious marriages are like a subversion of that as in to to be to have an interreligious marriage now is is almost radical in that sense and i also feel like it might make it subversive in other ways but in terms of like gender equality i don't know if those marriages are you know equal right like and in explorations of um, even interfaith and intercaste marriages that we've seen in like non fiction and fiction in different ways right like you see in which there are fresh gender power dynamics there in fact where the reversal of like power dynamic in terms of religion or caste might cause other kinds of anxieties around gender making it an even more oppressive union for women so i so i don't really know if you know like while i understand the ways in which it can be subversive and it's definitely important to support um you know anybody who's choosing to make that choice but i do think that the more feminist choice is to stay away from the institution altogether because like i said i feel like at least that choice makes your politics count in a way because it's the only way to make the state and society and institutions respond to you know the problems with um, the institution of marriage at least feels like these forms of marriages actually like I, they they are radical in every sense and uh, maybe clearly like the gender part might still not be addressed but realistically this seems like the or a, a very big step ahead right and a very big move forward into creating a society in which someday we can achieve that thing where everybody can say i don't want to get married like as much as it is feminist to say that marriage is fully like an unfeminist institution these are marriages that 
if ever somebody uh, aspire looks up to marriages should be looking up to because they are the most feminist and most like radical most e- equal marriages there are um i think both of us clearly agree to respectfully disagree on on what we see as like a radical alternative to marriage it's really interesting that you say that this is probably the most feminist that marriage can get and the most radical that it can get but are there other criteria or considerations which you think that are important to meet and which then could take us closer to the goal of perhaps like a feminist marriage i i i really don't know if there can be a checklist to that that can make marriages more feminist because again that's like individualizing the issue where we're still not talking about what makes marriage as the institution itself so pervasive i mean if it was easy to make marriages feminists then we like marriage itself would be redundant but it's not it just keeps getting rebranded and rebranded and rebranded and then but this reminds me of like a po- uh, a quote by a feminist scholar Diane Post who talks about marriage and says that uh politicians extol it courts ruminate over its value to society and business religious and cultural leaders pander to its mystique and so when there are so many actors involved in trying to maintain uh the hegemony of marriage at some point you do need to question what like whose in whose interest is it to really maintain marriage as an institution in society and so when those interests still remain can you is there such a thing as a feminist marriage at all because if there was then why isn't there any space to dismantle marriage there's no conversation about that at all the conversation is always like can marriage be feminist rather than is marriage even necessary you know so just the fact that there isn't any space for for even legally that hasn't like legally socially politically there is hasn't been a widespread movement to dismantle the institution of marriage as such because there's just no space to do that there's too many actors involved too many vested interests and too many uh, op- uh, oppressive structures that come into play i also feel like the older i get for the same reasons i respect people who go against marriage more like if i think more about like intercaste unions inter religious unions you can also again achieve the same love by like choosing your own models being together doing different things which are not getting married um and i think that people who actually make that choice to be like no i'm going against this institution i feel like that is a very powerful statement and it is a choice which i think enables more people in future generations to see that you can be happy uh without getting married and on the other hand i appreciate people who are like Yeah, this is an economic transaction and this is what it is for me. We're like upfront about what marriage is and I feel like in India at least um you know we should be more less you think we'd be less hypocritical about it but clearly we're not because nowhere else in the world than here is it clear that it's a transaction between people of the same caste, religion, same status to uphold that social status. So I really don't know. um in terms of like what are the other things that we could change in order to like see this ideal feminist marriage um i think i like would agree with rohita's point that she made before uh, that there are just too many 
things involved and too many systems that have built on uh, built and benefited from this idea of marriage that people in power um, of these systems because they have benefited from this for so long why they don't see the need to question it or like dismantle it so even if there are ways to dismantle this in like uh, a lo- long term uh, over like a period of time that is not the choice they will make because of how beneficial it has been uh, in order to have this kind of divide like this extreme divide that we see today so only if like only if collectively people in power of these diff- various systems decide and say that okay wait you know what maybe people <laughs> should be treated equally uh, and work in areas of literacy sexual health uh, all the kinds of like factors and aspects that go into living life basically only then uh we can get to a point where we might may uh, be able to achieve some kind of like extreme feminist marriage or even to have the choice to have an extreme feminist marriage on uh, or not i think that's a great note to end on as the ganpati celebration sort of pick up outside and like make us end on a high energy note of <laughs> maybe this is the thought that we leave people with unfortunately we didn't have a lot of disagreement in this episode in the way that we would have liked but maybe some of our listeners can write to us or think through with us or dm us or email us and tell us about like their experiences and experiments with marriage and uh, what they think about this idea of feminist marriages and whether marriage can ever be feminist for the rest of our listeners i hope you found a little bit of your self in this episode and uh, you know felt the energy of this joint therapy session uh, <laughs> with women in their 20s and 30s navigating marriage <laughs> okay on that note i have no joke but you know just like some intense energy going on outside i i i don't know how to compete with that but yeah i have one we have addressed the elephant in the room okay. oh my god is that a ganesh joke <laughs> <laughs> you never know what gets you arrested rohita this might be it it's always the unexpected little jokes that land you in trouble <laughs> on that note hoping everybody tunes in before this part comes in the podcast see you again next time bye bye, bye. This podcast is brought to you by TS Studios. The production company that brings the Swaddle's creative point of view to original podcasts and films.